Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Mo Money Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Morehouse, and this is episode 253 of the show. Cannot believe, can't believe that. That's crazy. Also, is anyone else like super excited for the holidays? Because I don't know about you, but 2020 is obviously a trash fire of a year. And so for me, I need some magic in my life. So I 100% set up my tree. I mean, it's not a real tree. Let's be honest. I've got a very, uh, I live in the city. I don't have a lot of space. It is definitely a baby tree. It's like, I think four feet in height. I don't even have any decorations, but it does have some lights on there. So I still have to do some stuff, but uh, I'm excited for the holidays. So I am full of holiday cheer. And I think part of the reason could be my next guest is just made me feel so freaking good after talking with her. I mean, I've had her on the show before. I'm talking about Lisa Peterson. She was, if you're a longtime listener, you'll remember this from the archives, episode 104, April 19th, 2017. Damn, that feels like ages ago. She was on the show to talk about mindfulness and money and share her personal story. She's back on the show because she has a book out called The Mindful Millionaire, and she's here to talk about it all. And it's not about, you know, being an actual millionaire. It's really about having that millionaire mindset. So we kind of really dive deep into that. So in case you didn't listen to the episode the way I highly recommend you do, again, it's episode 104, jessicamorehouse.com slash 104 is where you can easily find it or whatever app you're using, just like, you know, you can scroll and find it. Um, but in case you're not familiar with Lisa, Lisa is a Sedona-based author, business growth strategist, money expert, mindset coach, and podcaster. She also has her own podcast. Um, she is an internationally recognized authority on bridging the gap between financial freedom and human spiritual potential. So Lisa has a unique ability to draw from biology, neuroscience, philosophy, spiritual teachings, and psychology to create a synthesis of knowledge that helps people understand scarcity and perspective prosperity in profoundly affecting ways. She's had the great fortune of witnessing 1,000 money breakthroughs or more than 1,000 money breakthroughs um, and financial healings as a result of the process she explores in her book, The Mindful Millionaire, which we do talk about actually in this episode, her specific I prosper process. And so I love talking to Lisa because she is a very unique perspective on money management and just personal finance advice. Um, she also kind of comes from this background of like, you know, I, I feel like this is a, a, a trend or not a trend, but like um, it's becoming popular, this term holistic wealth. We mentioned it in last week's episode with uh, Cassandra Dacent and uh, I was going to say Dacent. I know it's Dacent, but I always want to say Dacent. I don't know why. And she told me, like, we chatted, like, outside of that episode. I'm like, it's, it's, how do you pronounce it? And she's like, it's Dacent. I'm like, I thought it was Dacent. She's like, no, it's not Dacent. Anyways, back to Lisa. Um, I just love her perspective. She just, and she just, like, is so, she's such a calming person. Like, I listened to her, the episode a couple of times while I was editing it, and I just felt, like, good about myself. It was like I did a meditation while I was, like, editing this episode. So you're going to love this episode and learn a lot. Uh, But before I get to that interview with Lisa, here's just a few words about this episode's sponsor. This episode of the Mo Money Podcast is supported by TD Direct Investing. Investing just got a whole lot easier. 
Remember about a year ago, I did a blog post and made a video about TD Direct Investing's new feature in Web Broker called Goal Assist? Well, that same feature is now called Goals, and they've reimagined Goal Assist to become a standalone investing app that is now available to download on iOS and Android. If you're looking for a new, simplified way to invest and want to save on fees, you'll want to check out TD Goal Assist. It not only guides you through building a goals-based investment plan, it allows you to build a diversified investment portfolio aligned with your goals using TD ETFs, stocks, or TD one-click ETF portfolios. The best part? There are no balance minimums, monthly fees, or inactivity fees, and you know what that means— more money in your pocket. And when you trade TD ETFs, there are zero commissions on trades. That means the only fees you'll be paying are the MERs embedded in the ETFs themselves. Want to learn more? Visit the show notes for this episode or go to jessicamorehouse.com slash goal assist or try it out yourself by downloading the TD Goal Assist app by the App Store or Google Play. TD Goal Assist is a service of TD Direct Investing, a division of TD Waterhouse Canada Inc., a subsidiary of the Toronto Dominion Bank. Welcome back to the show, Lisa. I'm so glad to have you on. It's been a few years since you were originally on the show, and now you have a new book called The Mindful Millionaire. So I'm so happy you're back on the show so we can talk about it. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to reconnect. This is awesome. I know. I know. I'm so excited. Um, So let's kind of dive in a little bit because uh, people should listen to that first episode for kind of that was more about your like story and your journey. And this book is really uh, about how you can help people with your journey and your experiencing uh, and your experiences. Um, so I want to first kind of start with what inspired you to write this book? Because it is a very different personal finance book. And I feel like I, I say that a lot. I'm like, I've read a lot of personal finance books. This is very different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, as you know, I was in financial services for over 25 years. And what I noticed in my own experience with money, as well as with my clients over all those years, is that there was a theme that some people had plenty of money flowing into their lives and everything seemed awesome and they were able to hold on to it. And then other people really struggled with the flow of money. And the longer I stayed in the industry, the more I got curious about, you know, how could we better pay attention to what's happening inside of us? Because I knew that there were these emotional blocks. I knew there were things happening, but there wasn't a way to track it. There wasn't, you know, like in when the economy is going down, we know why that's happening. We have charts, we have data, we have graphs, right? Mm -hmm, Yeah. (laughs) But we didn't have that as far as like, why do I struggle with money? And yet my neighbor seems to be, you know, having no trouble at all. And so the spirit behind my work was I got really curious of what's happening inside of us and how can we start to quantify it, qualify it, and and then actually change it for the better. And that, that was my goal with the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I definitely get the sense of that. And I, I like um, the direction this book takes because, I mean, again, I've read a lot of books and I feel like at a certain point, you you kind of are just reading the same stuff and you're like, yeah, I know this and it's not working. And, you know, as someone who also works with clients, I, I see the exact same thing as you. There's people um, that are very good at like, okay, just give me the practical stuff and I'll do it. And some people are like, you know, I tried and it's still not working. And it is clearly something else, this kind of emotional side or the mental side. And I'm really appreciative that you go in deep 
in this book about that because I personally have never uh, read a book that really does. It is, and I know that's kind of one of the reasons that you uh, wrote the book is you wanted to present this information that's going to help people and also kind of talk about why maybe some other traditional or more practical financial advice misses the mark for lots of people. Do you want to kind of talk a little bit more about that? How, you know, there's a lot of people you know, I think that's one of my issues with the personal finance kind of sphere is, uh, especially as money experts, you're kind of asked for like a quick quote and you're like, I'm going to give this to you, but it's not going to work for everybody. And that's kind of the thing about personal finance. It's personal, but it's hard to kind of (laughs) share that to the masses. You are so spot on. I feel like the industry approaches it like one size fits all. And I knew that wasn't the situation. And when we work with people as their financial advisor, as the person who's kind of hearing what's going on in their own lives versus just this mass of like, everyone's the same. We notice these themes, but what really inspired me was just the idea that we could actually figure out what was going on behind the scenes. And that's what I did when I left my financial advising practice. And even before that, I started asking people to tell me about their relationship with money. And the big thing that came up very quickly was that there were all these stories and all these beliefs and all these thoughts that people hold on to. And sure enough, their life reflected what they were telling me. So let's say they had come from a situation, one coming to mind that that started and I learned about in 2011, a woman who had grown up in a home where there was wealth, but then there was a divorce and then things changed and she stayed with her mom and dad went off and had another family and they had lots of money and yet they didn't. And what she, what came out in the conversation of the money story that she was holding on to was that when that departure had happened, she actually started creating a life more like what she was experiencing with her mom, where there was a lack of money. And then there was a lot of jealousy to step siblings who had lots of money. And so she was approaching life like, from this place of jealousy and frustration and lack of understanding. And then that was playing out in who she married and the same patterns repeating themselves. And I started seeing that over and over and over again. And that's when I was like, wait a minute, folks, like the beliefs that we have and the the experiences that we've had totally play out for many people. How can we pattern disrupt? How can we change you know, what's going on for someone so that they don't have to keep reliving the pain of the past. 100%. I mean, this is is so familiar. I just had a conversation with my mom about kind of money stories. Not We didn't really use those terms, but we just started kind of talking naturally about it and about how, you know, my grandpa obviously was of the, uh, you know, depression era. And so he was very, very frugal, but he was very good with his money. And he's now passed. But uh, you could tell, you know, after he passed, like he still had a good chunk of money that he was like, he could have lived for decades because he was just so frugal. And it kind of got passed on to my mom that kind of sense of um, being frugal to protect yourself. Like, I'm always afraid. And she even said this to me. She's like, I'm always afraid that I won't have enough. And she still feels like this as she approaches her retirement. And I have the exact same thing. I've been trying to battle that as I've learned a lot more about myself and just, you know, how personal finance works. But 
I've always had that, and I still have that ingrained in me that I'm always afraid I won't have enough. And it's so interesting that you mentioned like trying to break that cycle. So many of us are stuck in cycles that go generations. How do you, you know, especially, you know, if it does trickle down generations, how on earth can you break that cycle that seems so strong? So this is such a great question. And I will also empathize because I came from the same sort of thing that you're describing. And I talk about this, like a lot of women feel like they're a few bad moves away from destitute poverty. And this has been like confirmed in in research. And if for me and for you, we inherited it from our moms and then they inherited it from some other part of their family. But what I've seen is the first thing even just noticing that this is not your fault, that this is something that you were exposed to from a really early age, and it's probably not going to go away completely. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's true. (laughs) No matter how much money you have, no matter how much success you have, there is a part of you that will have this fear. Now, when we acknowledge it and we no longer make it wrong and bad, we it's like this is heart's work in psychology where you all of a sudden see this part of yourself that is kind of wounded, you know, like always a little bit afraid. And instead of making that part of yourself wrong, you lean in and you say, I am so sorry, because this is something that you can't just pluck out of your psyche. And the more you accept that it's okay, that it's not bad, that that this is something you need to take care of. So Jessica, I mean, for me, and I say this in the book, and maybe this is for you, it's like, I'm not going to be the one who can live with a really small savings account. Like, I'm not happy that way. And and I I will have, like, when we were going into the COVID first thing I did was I started counting how much cash was available to us in case everything fell apart. And it was like over $100,000. And I was like, okay, everything's fine. We're going to be able to weather this. And, And that is that part of me being triggered by an unusual situation that occurred. And we had, we have Airbnb income and Airbnb shut down for Mm -hmm. a couple months. So it wasn't like this Mm -hmm. wasn't not happening. Like there were changes in our financial situation, but I had a bank account that I could look at and say, everything's going to be okay. Now, what are you going to do about it? You know, so I didn't go into scarcity, which is what I teach people about because I could see that this was important to me. I didn't make myself wrong. I also have been living a life where I'm like, yeah, I'd like to have bigger cash savings accounts than normal people do because this makes me feel more comfortable. I don't deny that. And that's a big thing that I think most people push those inklings away. They don't look at what makes them more comfortable, what makes them feel more safe. And I don't encourage people to do that. I say, lean into it. Don't go crazy, but give yourself the benefit of like, yes, there are some things that are going to make you more comfortable, happy, and feel like you can continue on without going into a very triggered, uh, reactive state. 100%. I did the exact same thing (laughs) in the spring, looking at like, oh my gosh, is this, you know, everyone just went crazy. Everyone just thought this is the end of the world. And I 100% was counting my pennies and talking to my husband. We're looking at our net worth spreadsheet being like, okay, are we going to be okay? We're both self-employed. We have no idea what this looks like. And we also felt the ramifications 
expectations. There was a time where everything kind of paused in terms of work. And, uh, and yeah, like you said, like I have a bigger emergency fund than most people. And that's because it makes me feel good and safe. And like you kind of mentioned, it's, it's almost frustrating when you do look for information on, you know, such as emergency funds. And again, I, I say this too. It's like, you know, traditional advice is, you know, three to six months of your living expenses. But I always usually caveat it with like, but do whatever makes you feel good. If nine months makes you feel good, great. If 12 months makes you feel good, great. It doesn't make sense to take someone else's advice when you have that person has no idea what makes you feel good or what is good for you. And I think too often we take advice and we actually activate it just because, oh, well, we don't want to be wrong. But you know, it's our money and our lives. We need to do what makes the most sense for us. We need to lead into that. Like you said, I I love that. Yeah. And finding the balance too, which is what I also talk about in the book that I kind of went too far, too dedicated to the money journey. And I had to reevaluate that because I saw that I was missing out on other parts of life just to try and appease this one fear. So I did have to get this fear in check, but, and not have it you know, run my life, but it's finding the middle path is what I like to think about. Exactly. It's like what will actually make you feel safe at night, but, uh, or what will make you feel safe at night, but what is also logical? Because <laughs> that's the thing. You can go the other kind of end, the other extreme, and just, ha- just have cash and not invest any of your money because you're terrified of losing any money in the stock market, which obviously is not going to help you when it ter- uh, comes to building your wealth. I want to kind of uh, dive a little bit deeper into scarcity mentality because that I feel like is something I definitely have, but also I've been noticing in, in so many more people, or maybe more people are talking about it, and especially with women. I feel like that is a big thing with women. We have the scarcity mentality of, and it's you know basically fear. And so money equals fear and shame and all these kind of negative emotions. It's, uh, you know, I, I know we kind of touched on this, but what are some things people can think about or start doing to kind of turn money, which is just a tool, into something that's negative that causes these really, um, you know, fearful emotions into something that is kind of more on the abundance side of things. It's something positive that can actually help you with your goals. So even just understanding the idea of scarcity mindset is this way of approaching life as if it's a zero sum game. So someone wins, I lose, for example, that would be in the extreme case. But when we realize that it's happening and we want to make a difference, the biggest thing that I think changes us in, in the way we approach life is questioning the assumptions of the zero sum paradigm as much as we possibly can. So finding examples in our own life where that's not the case, where there is more prosperity, where there is more abundance. And again, I think it also is helpful to be thinking about negativity bias. You know, so much of this work is around awareness. So negativity bias basically says that the human brain is always going to look for the negative, remember the negative, focus on the negative, not the positive. Mm -hmm. So true. (laughs) (laughs) Something I battle every day trying to get better at it, but so true. It's like the number of words that are positive words in the English language compared to negative words is crazy. It's like 65% are more negative tone than the positive tone, you know, 35%. I mean, the 
the way that you look at news, it's going to be 70, 80% negative and 20% positive. Like we are surrounded by evidence of scarcity mindset everywhere we look. So what that means is, is that we actually have to be more conscious and more aware of where our thoughts are going, where our attention is going. You know, some of us go on media diets, right? We refuse to look at media because we know that it's having a negative impact in the way that we approach life. That would be one thing. Another thing is why I like meditation so much is when we have a daily meditation practice, even if it's only for five minutes, and we have to be careful because some people like me, Early on, meditation was like my worry cushion. So I would sit down and I would think negative thoughts. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're meditating on the negativity. And it's easy right now to do this. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm just sharing that even though I've been meditating for 21 years, I still have to watch this. But if you were to meditate on things like love and compassion and empathy for five minutes a day, you're going to start catching when you're in a negative state of awareness and when you're in a positive state of awareness. And it is only in a positive state of awareness that we are going to make prosperity-oriented decisions rather than scarcity-oriented decisions. A hundred percent. That's. I feel like, especially this year, it's never been more, I think, uh, obvious how important mindfulness and even meditation, that this is something that I've been told for years to do, and I'm actually starting to do it, because what I didn't really realize, and maybe it's because I'm not this kind of woo-woo person my husband actually is, though, which I love, and he's been meditating for a while, and he's there's positive benefits. I can see it, so I'm like, I need to do this. But I think it's like kind of wrapping your head around this idea that sometimes we don't control our thoughts. We let these negative thoughts just you know, infiltrate our mind and they take up so much space for so many hours. And this not only has an effect on our mood and our day, but also the choices we make, especially choices around our personal finances, which have huge ramifications on our futures and our lives. And so kind of like going, you know, uh, back to that, it's like, well, if you do this one practice, being mindful, practicing meditation just for a few minutes a day, it doesn't have to be that crazy. And if you don't know where to start, there's so many apps that can guide you. It You will see the benefits, but I think a lot of people are maybe scared to do something different. What what do you say to people that are like, oh, I don't know, I I can't meditate. That's That's not like me. Yeah. And I totally respect that. And I've always met that resistance because I've been teaching meditation for like 17 years. So I've heard all of it and I get it. Mm -hmm. And I think it's why in the book, I talk about other things too. So like yoga or breath work or other techniques that do bring us back to this awareness of like, where are our thoughts going? Like there's a lot of ways to get there. And I don't think it's just meditation. And what's funny is I think a lot of people, maybe you enjoy yoga, for example, or you're, you're starting a yoga practice and when you get into yoga, I think people become more interested in something like meditation over time because the teacher might spend a few time, few minutes at the beginning, at the end, encouraging you to go into your thoughts, pay attention to what's going on. You know, that's one thing. The other thing that I think is really important in these times, and it always has been, is that when we talk about what's going on for us financially, mm-hmm. we talk about 
scarcity, like just like what you've shared in this conversation, we open up the beginning of something new. And most of our problems are because we live in silos and we get so, you know, overcome by shame and regret and guilt when we're tuning into our money stories. And I mean, I, I am a self-made millionaire. Like I could you know, dazzle people with what I've achieved, but I want everyone to know, like, I've got all kinds of regrets. I mean, every day I could look at the regrets I have about money and go into them ad nauseum. Like we all have those stories. No one's immune to making mistakes. But when we talk to other people about our challenges and our fears and our concerns, we are Basically, the truth is setting us free and we're beginning something new in our lives rather than being in that kind of depressive cycle of, I must be really stupid about this stuff. Mm -hmm. Oh man, that is like one of the top things I hear from someone who's just kind of getting into the world of personal finance or just discovered my show. They're like, oh, you know, I, I want to learn about this, but I'm really bad with money. And I'm like, oh, we need to change that <laughs> mindset because no one's bad at money or with money because it's not something you're born with. It's something that's learned. Um, but anyway, you mentioned something that kind of uh, reminded me of like, you know, the title of your book, The Mindful Millionaire. And you said this at the beginning of your book, that it's not about being specifically a millionaire, but it's having that kind of approach or that kind of mindset. Do you want to kind of just share, you know, what does a mindful millionaire mean to you? Because I, I like this is a, a a way to kind of shift how we think of maybe even just the idea of millionaires. Because even the term millionaire is almost triggering for some people because we also have our issues with <laughs> the idea of wealth and millionaires. And that can kind of lead to themes of like, well, greed and, and this and that. Yeah, totally. And it's so funny because the book and the title, I really didn't write it with the original intention of it being anything about millionaires. So I just mm-hmm. share that with everybody. <laughs> that came after we put the book proposal together in St. Martin's Press. Uh, you know, we put a deal together and it was, it was not written from that spirit. And then I had to interweave this idea of millionaire into the book and, and partly from a marketing standpoint, but partly because I think it is interesting to play with some of these triggers. However, right from the get go, like page one or two, I say that this is not about how much money you have or what your net worth is. It's about the idea that you believe in yourself and what you have the capacity to create because scarcity, right? And and the programming that we have all gotten one way or another is that, yeah, you might want that, but it's probably not possible for you. And that crushes our spirit. And I do not believe in that kind of thinking. I truly do believe that where there's a will, there's a way. And I journal my own experience of coming from a situation where my dad dealt drugs growing up. I grew up in a very precarious, um, kind of violent background. And if anyone, you know, can do it, I did come from that other world and I did turn things around and I saw that, that all along there were different choices that I was making for myself that helped me get out of that really shitty situation as a child and create what I have today. Not that my life can be compared to anyone else's, but I did see that that every so often we're at a fork in the road and we can either choose the scarcity path or the prosperity path. And, and what I saw was 
thank God, I don't even know how, but many times I was like, I can do this. I, I felt that spirit and that wind at my back. Like you can make this choice and it's going to lead to something better than where you came from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that kind of, again, reiterates why it's so important to practice like positive self-talk and, and not always talking to yourself internally about like, no, you can't do this. No, believing in yourself because that will push you to, you know, more easily make those, you know, uh, choices that lead to prosperity. I want to talk a little bit about now your I prosper process. You go in depth in the book, which I think is so helpful because a lot of people I know are like, this is great. I need some action steps. I need to know specifically like, what should I do? What should I look for? What should I start thinking about? And so just so people know, I prosper is an acronym for intention, pattern, reclaiming your feelings, opportunity, story, permission, evidence, and reinvent your life, which I love that last one. I love the idea of reinventing yourself because I think it's very important for people to flip the switch and be like, you don't always have to be where you are right now. You don't always have to be who you are right now. You can change that. Um, how did you develop this I prosper process? And obviously you've had it for a while because you've worked with clients and it works. Yes. So this is where we'll get a little woo-woo and you don't have to be woo-woo to like follow the process, but I do incorporate these ancient teachings of the chakras. So this goes back to India 4,000 years ago, ancient form of psychology. Like that's all we need to understand. And what I saw was that psychology actually could be uh, overlapped with our journey in, you know, taking care of ourselves financially. And, and I started playing with that idea and I started testing it with my clients who were graciously willing to try things that had never been done before <laughs> in the spirit of having it ultimately come into a book in a framework. And I prosper is, is literally showing you where might things be out of alignment? Where might things in your life be outside of flow? What are some possible reasons for why they're out of flow so that you can kind of stop judging yourself and just say, well, yeah, those kinds of things did happen to me. Okay, well, now now that makes me feel a little bit better because a lot of us will say it's my fault rather than it's the fault of just the environment that I grew up in which is a lot healthier, <laughs> not to blame your parents, but it's more of like, if we're so busy blaming ourselves for things that aren't working out, we have a really hard time fixing them or changing them. But when we can look, take a step back and say, okay, I see this pattern. I see how I've been avoiding my feelings. I see how that's played out in my relationship with money. Here are some things I play with the idea of yin and yang. I think most of us have learned money in a very yang energy, which is like doing and going and, and left brain thinking. And it's all about the numbers. And what I wanted to do with I Prosper is I wanted to show people that our relationship with money isn't just numbers and logic, that there's a very feminine aspect to our relationship with money. And I teach about that and I take you through so that ultimately by the time you're into the financial planning, which is in the evidence stage, you're more embodied. You're bringing all parts of you into the financial planning process rather than just the numbers and 
what do I want to do when I retire? Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's what I find with clients is most people who work with maybe a traditional financial planner, the financial planner just wants to talk about the numbers, but that is not why people usually seek out the help of a financial planner. They want to talk, they want to discuss their feelings, what they're going through. Like they want to talk about the bigger picture. And so I think it's great that you basically have kind of the framework that people need to go through to kind of get what I think most people actually really need to make some like big lasting change. Cause it's not just about creating a budget and, and tracking things like that's important. There's, there's lots of other things we need to work through to actually get that stuff to stick, which I think is so key to remember. I also think, I mean, don't you feel like money can be fun and more enjoyable Yeah, it doesn't have to be so. Oh, that's the other thing too. I found, especially when I started getting into personal finance a decade ago, everything I kind of read or TV shows, books, blogs, a lot of them very negative, like what you're doing wrong. And there was like, I already had money shame and it just like compounded. And then I realized, you know, like it was just exasperated. It was just basically making my scarcity mindset worse and uh, and and prevented me from doing lots of smart things like investing, uh, you know, in a different way. And so I feel like, yeah, we need to flip the switch. I, I personally have seen because of like social media and just more access to the internet, there's more voices and a lot of them are more positive. But yeah, one of the kind of things that really bu- bugged me looking back is like, I'm almost surprised I made it into this field because a lot of the information I was being given was very not so nice. Didn't make me feel so good. <laughs> yeah. And our mental health, I mean... That's the undercurrent of all of this, especially right now in these times. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of what I'll call temporary depression, where it's not, you know, a clinical condition. It's something that's being caused by the stress of the world that we're living in. And I think that if we make it all about the money and not just focusing too on our mental health. What are our thoughts? How do we feel? How can we be more connected with our family? And I'm curious because when you were working your way through the book, the thing that I don't think I fully understood until I got into this was just how much our money relationship is tied into our personal relationships. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> I don't necessarily have it like in the, the original um, story you said at the beginning of the show. I don't think I, I'm married. I don't know. It's interesting. Just think about like who I married. He's someone very similar to me, very similar background, grew up kind of low income, um, very kind of frugal and cheap by nature, but he has a bit of a different um, mindset too. And that like, I was always kind of scarcity, like, Oh no, we don't have enough. We can't do that. We can't do that. And he was always like, eh, it's only money. <laughs> So I was going to rein him in, but still we had very similar backgrounds. So I think I was drawn to someone like that. If if I, I don't think I would have ever met or, or want to be in a, you know, partnership relationship with someone who didn't have similar kind of values or qualities than me. But then again, we still also have our own money issues. So it's interesting. It's a, something to think about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel very similarly. I think that what the number one cause of divorce, you know, right up there at the top is money struggle. And my husband and I have been together since college, uh, 33 years. And if we didn't have some shared understanding around money, I don't think we would have made it. 
No, I think that's, it's super important, which is why I always tell people when you're dating, you need to start talking about money or before you get married, you need to start talking about money because there may be a red flag because yeah, a, a personal finances, your finances will be a big issue when you're you know, dealing with m- big money decisions together. Um, before I let you go, I know, well, first you have for people who buy the book, there's also a Facebook group that you have, which I think is great because people can get that sense of community. And I feel like this is the year people need, I mean, we're all at home. So online communities, awesome. And you also have um, some free goodies when you also get the book at AbundanceGift.com. What's that about? Yeah. So there's two things. AbundanceGift.com, you can go and get a chakra meditation and all kinds of good stuff. Uh, first chapter of the book, we just added that to the bundle. And the idea is, is if you're intrigued by this work, that's a great way to start, kind of put your toe in the water and say, hey, might this be something that could help me, something different that I haven't tried before? And then at mindfulmillionairebook.com, if someone is going in that direction, we also have all kinds of goodies that we've given for people who buy the book. And you just fill that out there. Ooh, so it's, it's not just about the book. It's about get the book. There's a whole kind of resource center to start your journey, which I think is so exciting. Yeah, I give a lot of stuff away for free. Like I'm definitely <laughs> the overgiver that you can I'm it's all heart chakra. I love to give. But really I am on a mission. You know, I I really do want to just make a difference in people's lives in some way shape or form because this work has helped me so much. That's awesome. If people want to follow you on uh, social media just to kind of stay in touch, where can they find you? So on Twitter, it's at Lise Lusky, which is a whole other story, but L-E-I-S-L-O-O-S-K-I. And like you said, Facebook is the Mindful Millionaire Community and Instagram at Lisa Peterson. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining me once again. Um, I feel like this is a book people need to read this year. We need some mindfulness in 2020 as we enter the new year. That's my like whole thing. It's like, man, do we all need to pay attention to our mental health, but also our money? So this is a great combination of both. So I appreciate you being on the show again, Lisa. Thank you so much, Jessica. And thanks everyone for listening. And that was episode 253 with Lisa Peterson. Make sure to grab a copy of her book. What a great, hey, we're talking about the holidays, great Christmas present, Hanukkah present, any kind of present. Uh, you know, just a, a good, I mean, I personally love sending books to people. It makes me so happy. I mean, is there any better gift than the gift of knowledge? Oh, that's so, that sounds so cheesy when I say that. It's true though. I believe it. Anyways, grab her book, The Mindful Millionaire. Uh, you can also, of course, find more information about the book at mindfulmillionairebook.com and make sure to follow her on social. You can find her on Twitter at, uh, L-E-Lise Lusky, as she mentioned in this episode, uh, L-E-I-S-L-O-O. S-K-I. Um, you can find her more easily on Instagram uh, at Lisa Peterson and also uh, Facebook. You can find her at Mindful Wealth. And she also has some free goodies when you get the book. Uh, just visit AbundanceGift.com to find out more information about that. Um, I have got some important things as always to share with you. So stick around. There's a few words to share about this episode sponsor. And then I have some importante things to share. This episode of the Mo Money Podcast is supported by TD Direct Investing. 
You guys, you know when it comes to investing, there is one product I'm a sucker for, ETFs, which is hilarious considering five years ago when I started this podcast, I had no idea what an exchange-traded fund even was. Well, a lot can change in just a few years, which is what happened to TD Direct Investing's Goal Assist. It started as a feature introduced in their web broker platform to help investors set investment goals so they could be more intentional with their investment portfolios. That was back in April 2019. Now, in November 2020, Goal Assist has evolved into a standalone investment app called TD Goal Assist to help you set and monitor your investment goals and manage your portfolio on the go. And the best part? There are no monthly or inactivity fees like most brokerage apps charge, and TD ETFs have unlimited commission-free trades, including their TD one-click ETF portfolios. You can also trade individual stocks at a flat fee of $9.99. Want to learn more? Visit the show notes for this episode or go to jessicamorehouse.com slash goalassist. Or try it out yourself by downloading the TD Goal Assist app via the App Store or Google Play and opening an account. TD Goal Assist is a service of TD Direct Investing, a division of TD Waterhouse Canada, Inc., a subsidiary of the Toronto Dominion Bank. First and foremost, I always forget to do this. If you ever want to check out the show notes for every episode, the show notes have links and uh, just a summary of what we talked about, important resources you may want to check out on my website. Uh, first, you can go to jessicamorehouse.com slash podcast. Every single episode is listed there. Or whenever you're listening to an episode and I mentioned the episode number or I think it, wherever app you're listening to, I think there's the episode number as well. Just go to jessicamorehouse.com slash that number of the episode. So for this, it would be jessicamorehouse.com slash 253. Always forget to do that. Always. Like there's people that listen to my show. They're like, I didn't even know you had a website. I'm like, I am the worst self-promoter. Um, but hmm, what can you do? I mean, I'm trying my best here. Um, anyways, so very exciting thing. So number one, obviously I'm giving away a copy of her book, obviously. I'd be rude not to, don't you think? Um, so if you go to jessicamorehouse.com slash contests, that is where you will find her book that you can uh, sign up to win. Also, there's going to be all the books that I featured on season 11, this current season of the show are featured on there. So you can, uh, you know, enter for a chance to win. There's a couple more guests I have on the show coming up that also have books. So basically, I'll always remind you, I mean, you could just check the website whenever. Um, and then as those guests are on the show, I will add them to the contest. But uh, yeah, enter away. Another way you can stay in touch to find out when these contests uh, happen is my email newsletter. I only bug you with this email and it's really not bugging. Like my emails are amazing if I do say so myself. I only send it out every second week. So it's really not that big of a, a bother. But you find out all these really important things. Um, oh, so, and you can sign up to my email list by going to jessicamorehouse.com slash subscribe. Again, bad at self-promo. Um, so that is where I kind of announce all these things like contests. I have another one brewing that I kind of mentioned in my Facebook group. Also, I should mention I have a Facebook group. If you want to join me, a bunch of other amazing members of the group, there's over uh, 2,600, I believe, um, then join us. It is called the Money Life Balance Community. You can find it at facebook.com slash groups slash money life balance or more more easily, jessicamorehouse.com slash Facebook group. Um, enter there. And uh, yeah, it is for email subscribers. I did have to do that, quite honestly. Uh, again, you can unsubscribe from my email list if you hate it. Um, but basically, I was getting too many people. And if you have a Facebook group or if you're part of Facebook groups, you're very familiar with this. People coming in and then all of a sudden, oh, guess who has something that they want to sell or they're a bot or whatever the hell. So no, this is an exclusive group 
for people who like listen to the show or follow me on social media or are part of my email list, um, it is curated. So it's a safe space to talk about money. No judgment. All about helping people and feeling good about you and your money. That is what that is all about. But what I was getting to was in my Facebook group, I put a little post being like, I'm going to do a giveaway of like a, kind of a, a gift box or gift like basket, but it won't be a basket because I don't even know how to mail a basket. I just want to like do something kind of fun uh, that I'll be, you know, telling you about soon of like cool goodies to do with personal finance, like a fat fit fun box, but not like beauty stuff, but like for personal finance. Anyways, working on another giveaway is what I'm trying to tell you. So, you know, listen to the podcast. I'll announce it soon or I mean more easily just get onto my email list to find out when that contest is starting. Okay. One last, uh, Thing, and then I'll let you go. So the past few weeks, I have been uh, super busy. Um, I, I basically did a call out on my email list in my Facebook group, I think possibly on here a few weeks ago, um, uh, if you want to sign up for a discovery call, because I am revamping my Fix Your Finances Masterclass and my Investing Foundations for Canadians courses. I'm shutting the doors on those courses as of December 1st. So December 1st, you will no longer be able to access it, okay? Or sign up if you're a, a new student, rather. If you're already a student, don't worry, you will still have access to the course. You'll always have access to the course. Um, the reason is I'm, I want to redo them um, to not redo them really. I just want to revamp them. There's so many things that I want to add and I kind of just need to take a pause and then make some amazing changes so they're more transformative and just meatier and better. And part of that uh, process is me doing research by getting feedback from potential students. And I've been doing this for the past few weeks and it's been amazing. I've been talking to so many people and I'm very, very excited for what these courses are going to entail. So um, basically shutting the doors December 1st. That means you can still sign up to those courses now. Lock in the current prices because the prices are going to go up, up, up uh, when I relaunch them in the new year, hopefully January, but you know, I'm going to just say the new year to not get myself a heart attack. Um, and then you'll automatically be uh, rolled into the new courses when they launch. So a lot of people have been taking advantage of this uh, pricing. So go ahead. And again, you get access to the current course as it exists, and you'll also get uh, access to the new course when it exists as well. So you can find out all the information at jessicamorehouse.com slash shop. Um, that is where my courses exist. Um, there's also a bunch of budget spreadsheets. If you're looking for one, there's a couple ones for free. And there's also, if you're looking for something a bit different, a course that I do not offer, I also have a bunch of suggestions for other online courses by some other amazing uh, money experts, uh, all of them based out of the US actually. So if you're American and you're like, I don't need to take your investing foundations for Canadians course because I'm not Canadian, I'm American. There's actually um, a, a great American investing course that I'd uh, you know, have listed there that you can check out. Okay. So I think that is kind of the bulk of what I had to tell you. Thank you so much. Oh, also lastly, lastly, um, I mentioned, you know, I think on several episodes, make sure to follow me on Instagram and lots of you have answered that call and thank you so much for following me. So if you're not already, you know, follow me on the gram. Oh, no one says that anymore, do they? Um, okay. That's fine. Uh, anyways, you can find me at Jessica I Morehouse on the gram. <laughs> okay, that is it. So hopefully you have a good rest of your week. You know, take some time to do some, you know, holiday spirit things. Make a hot chocolate. Make a movie playlist of all your favorite holiday movies. Um, you know, and, you know, put up your tree. Just because why not? Let's have magic for way longer. Usually I'm one of those people that I'm like, I am not doing anything holiday related until December 1st. Not, no, 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 no.
I'm doing this as soon as possible. I need some joy in my life because I I just need something. You know, we all need a little win and I need a Christmas win or a holiday win. Um, that's what I need. Anyways, that is it for me. Thanks so much for listening. I will be back here next Wednesday with a fresh new episode. I will see you then. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.